So The Rings of Power just made it to Amazon Prime, and let's just say it didn't have a remarkable debut. Not only did they botch the release of the episodes by releasing the second episode first, but they absolutely destroyed the story of Lord of the Rings. Now, before you accuse me of the simplistic accusation that Hollywood is at it again by putting their woke agenda on top of another franchise, the issues with this series goes much deeper than that, and in fact has implications for the future of cinema that I think are important to all of us. So we'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Today's show is sponsored by our friend over at Anchor. Anchor is your one-stop shop for all of your business solutions. If you're looking for bookkeeping, accounting, small business solutions like administrative tasks, then you need to go over to our friends over at Anchor. I could be wrong, but I don't think you went into business so that you could keep a mountain of receipts in a file folder somewhere. No, you can outsource some of those tasks so that you can focus on why you really got into business by going to ancur.biz, by going to our friends over at Anchor. So do that today, and when you do it, let them know that IndieThinker sent you. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thank you for being bold enough to step outside of your echo chamber. Trust me, the water is fine out here. And I happen to believe, and maybe you'll see that throughout the show today, that the lifeline of faith in combination with reason happens to be one of the greatest, I think, medications for what we're experiencing as a society today. So one of the things that I'll try to do is provide a Christian worldview to some of what's going on in the world around us. And today we're looking at uh, the new Amazon Prime series, The Rings of Power. Now, the reason I wanted to jump into this is not only that Tolkien was a Christian and uh, I, I believe infused so much of his writing with Christian ideas and Christian theology, but, but also because I, I believe that at the end of this episode, there'll be a sort of redemptive, maybe, um, maybe if nothing more than anything, just food for thought about the future of cinema and what cinema says about the culture, because I don't just want to rail on Rings of Power. There's a lot of people doing that already. Uh, now, I do have some thoughts that I think you'll find interesting, but I do believe that there's a much more broad and more important idea that we can draw um, or take away from some of the comments that I have today. So I think you'll, you'll enjoy that. So you definitely want to stick around for the end of this episode to hear that. But before we get there, I want to bring to mind something that Aristotle said uh, long ago. He, he came up with something called a mimesis, or it's an imitation. So if you think about a meme, it's close to the idea of mimesis. So it's just a imitation of something going on in the world. And Aristotle said this, it is a natural human impulse to make art that imitates the people, places, and events around them. Um, and this largely became the premise for the saying that we have today, art imitates life or art imitates reality. So, however, it's not hard to see the opposite of that idea permeate our society, right? That which is celebrated in movies will eventually become the norm in society. That is Oscar Wilde's contention when he gave his anti-mimesis of sorts or his contradiction of Aristotle in his 1989 essay, The Decay of Lying, where he said this, quote, life imitates art far more than art imitates life. Now, essentially what he's saying there is just simply that people want to imitate art more so than art is just trying to create what we already see in society. So in other words, art has a very impressive power over culture. 
And this is why Marxists like Theodore Adorno and Horkheimer invaded Hollywood in the early 40s to create films that they could use for propagandistic purposes so that they could infiltrate the culture. Now, they knew culture matters, while still so many modern people, and specifically um, my point of contention, many modern Christians believe that the route for impacting the culture is not by creating culture, but rather imitating it. The repercussions of that mentality have left us quote-unquote preaching the good news in church and supposedly loving our neighbor while never venturing to address the deconstructive ideas in our culture that are reinforced through film and TV. I was always told you don't love if you don't confront. But maybe Jesus turning over the tables in the temple was just apocryphal and never showed up in the original Greek because Jesus is way too loving to ever do anything like that. Just move along, people of faith. Get back to your best life now. The unborn and trans kids, they don't need your help. Hollywood's got this. So if life imitates art, it becomes all that more important that Christians influence art and that they influence culture and that they not take a back seat to the quote-unquote culture wars. But with nothing more to offer than the chosen to a culture in desperate need of alternatives, we're left watching shows like Rings of Power and lamenting the extreme difference between Lord of the Rings now and even 10 years ago when Peter Jackson was over the two trilogies. So this prequel to The Hobbit shows a young Galadriel who's a elf kind of uh, wizard, I suppose, among other characters, some new and old that we're introduced to in the series, who illustrate the origin of the story of the making of the Rings of Power. So here's a quick trailer to kind of give you an idea what the series is about. Haven't you ever wondered what else is out there? There's wonders in this world beyond our wandering. From the trailer alone, when you look at it, you get all of the beauty of the Peter Jackson uh, trilogies with a deep abiding suspicion, perhaps, that if Hollywood can, they will most likely find a way to destroy the stories that were handed down to us by one of the world's most important authors. And that's just what they did. And I'll tell you how they did it in a minute, because my take may not be what you expect. But before I do that, you don't need to take my word for it. You can go to the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. With an 84% from critics and a 39% audience score, Rotten Tomatoes bears all the resemblance of a flop. And by the way, for those of you who don't know how to read Rotten Tomatoes scores, uh, whenever you see a high critic score and whenever you see a very, very low audience score, Save yourself some time because the film is not just bad, it is terrible. And as soon as Hollywood gets the news 
that their stuff is bad and that they didn't do a good job with it, you can rest assured that they will respond to the people that they are creating entertainment for, and they'll do things like this. They'll do what's best for the audience by pausing reviews of the show to, quote, protect the rings of power from trolls. Now, perhaps the rings of power could protect itself from a hoarding pack of trolls if it actually had any strong warriors to come to its defense, but instead... We're left with cowardly drawers sniveling over their butthurt feelings because Elrond the Elf didn't attend their wedding. While all the females are wise and strong in, in the face of impudent, oafish men. Men. Ugh. One of the troll leaders noticed, by the way, how bad the show was, and he spoke up on Twitter, and this is what he said. Quote, almost every male character so far is a coward, a jerk, or both. Only Galadriel is brave, smart, and nice. If you're wondering who that troll is, that was none other than Elon, which sounds like a character from Rings of Power, but is not. So, does it suffer from feminist tropes? Yes, it does. In spades, we all know that the strongest man against the strongest woman is not even a close match. But that doesn't stop Disney from pushing the diversity, equity, and inclusion in their shows, like with the new series She-Hulk. Here's the thing, Bruce. I'm great at controlling my anger. Mm. I do it all the time. When I'm catcalled in the street, when incompetent men explain my own area of expertise to me, I do it pretty much every day because if I don't, I will get called emotional or difficult or might just literally get murdered. So I'm an expert at controlling my anger because I do it infinitely more than you. So if that wasn't unbelievable enough for you, there's always the new Black Panther girl movie facetious being facetious of course based upon the historic origins of the amazon warriors in africa here's a small snippet of the trailer an evil is coming that threatens our kingdom our freedom but we have a weapon they are not prepared for The Europeans wish to conquer us. They will not stop until the whole of Africa is theirs. We must fight back for our people. Maneska, you are asking me to take them to war. War. Some things are worth fighting for. Don't know. Now, in case you're wondering, you might be able to guess, but for the record, these Dahomey women were soldiers, and while nowhere near the physical threat a man would be, they were equally evil in their lust for power. They used weapons they bought from Europeans in exchange for slaves that they had captured, and of course, those slaves that they sold to the Europeans went into the slave trade. The slaves they didn't sell into the slave trade were forced into labor that they uh, required and to intermarry other people in their tribe. While I'll venture to guess that none of this makes it into the final cut of this movie, you can rest assured it won't stop people from celebrating the supposed girl power in this film. 
But while the Rings of Power certainly shows chicken-hearted men and ferocious women enough to make you want to turn the channel, this isn't the real problem with the show. And this is what I kind of try to hope to, to, to parse out. In fact, it's way less woke than I thought it would be. You know, watching the show, I thought to myself, all right, I'm probably not going to like this. And I found myself being okay with it and realizing that it wasn't as, as woke as I figured it might be. But nevertheless, it deserves the savage reviews for this reason. The show is beautiful, but it is entirely derivative. The beauty and the visual aesthetics of Jackson are in full display, and one would hope so given the price tag for a full season of this show was $750 million, more than any other show in, in the history of shows. But all that money doesn't mean that it made a good show, as we all know. The reason the show is not good is probably not what you think, but you can probably guess it. It's not because it's woke or that it has diversity quotas even that make The Rings of Power a flop. Strong females were in the film franchise that Peter Jackson did and non-canonical uh, females at that from the original Tolkien material uh, were, were added both in The Hobbit and The Lord of Rings movies. It's just that The Rings of Power shows such little resemblance to anything resembling good writing that actually was in Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. It's not just that Galadriel is a strong, obnoxious woman. She is definitely that. It's that every man around her is an incompetent coward, like everyone. It's not just that we have a black elf. It's that nobody else cares what color he is. We just want him to be interesting. The problem with the Rings of Power is it replaces good writing with diversity. It makes the cardinal mistake of being unoriginal and unimaginative. And to make up for those deficits, it decides to fulfill quotas instead. It's like the director came to the writing room bursting with excitement one day and he's like, guys, I sat up all night drinking my Starbucks thinking about the story arc for our series and I finally came up with at least one character that's gonna, it was like a lightning bolt that hit me last night, guys. You're, stop the presses, just wait till you hear this and stop me if you've heard it before. Instead of making our main character morally conflicted or riddled with past guilt and angst about the future, I got it. I know what we're going to do. Wait for it. We'll make him gay. So in other words, it constantly takes you out of the mood because it's derivative and unthoughtful and uncompelling. This is what people like the Steve Toussaint guy from uh, the new House of Dragons, the prequel to Game of Thrones, uh, kind of shows us. Just recently, he responded to the backlash about casting in the new game, about his casting in the new Game of Thrones prequel for playing a character who in the book literally has white blonde hair, which I don't know if you know this, black people do not have. So when the audience spoke out about this, Toussaint was quick to chime in, and I'll bet you never, I'll, you'll never guess what he said. If you guessed he called all of the people complaining that it didn't match the original story racist, then you would be correct, friend. He said, they're happy with a flying dragon, but a rich black guy, that's beyond the pale. Like literally beyond the pale. Get it? Anyway. So let me help you out, Steve, so you don't slap the people who put food on your table directly in the face. These people aren't complaining that you're black or that you're rich. They're complaining that a story they love is not sticking to its origins. And the reason that is potentially a problem is 
perhaps because of a misplaced sense of loyalty to the source material. I think it's a little overwrought that people are so interested in canon. Like, there is another canon that matters way more. Um, but it's not just that they care about the canon. It's that they care about the story. And if you're willing to change whole characters of the book, it's possible that you're going to go ahead and change many other things or even things of greater substance that made people fall in love with the story to begin with. And they just don't want you to ruin something they care about. But to admit something so obvious would waste a chance to call people racist. And if there is anything that is a pastime presently in America that we just love, it's calling people racists. So this is where the Rings of Power really gets things wrong. Tolkien meant his story to be inspirational. He meant it to be fun. When we're rolling our eyes constantly because of Galadriel being a fierce warrior and a hardened dwarf with the endurance and strength of a mule being just a henpecked crybaby, we get kind of taken out of the action. The true purpose of your visit, you want something. I journeyed here to see my friend whom I greatly miss. Missed? You missed my wedding? The birth of my children, two of them. I discarded through them. Twenty years may be the blink of an eye to an elf. But I've lived an entire life in that time. A life you missed. Now, I think this scene is supposed to be mildly funny, but genuinely supposed to elicit sympathy, not vomiting. And if it can happen to Tolkien, it can pretty much happen to any other story. This is why I wanted to share about the Rings of Power in the first place. Not because I care that they ruined Tolkien or ruined yet another series that could have been good. I almost expected the show to be woke and to be bad. I was surprised by both. It's not as woke as I thought it was going to be, and it's worse than I thought it would be. And I can't help but think about the future of media, given this trend that we see more and more and more. So to illustrate this trend that we're seeing in society with the absolute destruction of cinema, perhaps, I want to show you a new show called Little Demon about a demon-possessed young girl that Disney just produced. So here's that. I can't wait to get into my happy place, hanging with my girlies. I can't you bored me to death! Oh God! <laughs> that was so cool. What has gotten into you? I have more of a life outside of this house than you think. Coming from the girl who took Irwin to the fall dance. I'm right here. Before you know it, you lose sight of what's really important. Her real friend. Universal supremacy! FX's Little Demon. All new Thursday at 10 on FXX. Stream on Hulu. So let me be really, really clear at the front of this. Um, I don't despise this show because of its representation of the demonic. This Hollywoodized version of Satan has no real correlation to the Satan of Scripture. The Satan of Scripture wasn't drawing pentagrams and asking for goat sacrifices. I mean, these are just contrivances made by people. Real Satanism is much more deceptive. After all, Satan was originally a tempter and a seducer. It looks way more like convincing a child that love is love and that the only way to solve past racism is with present racism. That's more kind of what Satanism looks like. Those ideas are truly demonic. Satan's job has always been to pervert the truth, not to smack you over the head with, with evil. Real evil, by the way, looks more like pornography than it ever does this satirical cartoon. So my objection is not at the silly representation of witchcraft in cartoon form as much as it is utterly stupid. 
my, my critique is something different. It's that when a world of classic literature and historical events yells at us from the past to make compelling films in the present, I can't help but lament the utter insipid nature of our modern films. I can't help but realize how much money it costs to produce a series like uh, this Demon Girl series that won't go past one season. And I can't help but wish that the money had been poured into a series, a TV series about books that are now collecting dusk, classics like Dante's Inferno, or even producing, finally, a halfway decent version of Pilgrim's Progress. But gone are the days of Lawrence of Arabia and Patton, and even movies like Braveheart, big sweeping historical biopics that flooded the heart and the mind and showed you what the human spirit is truly capable of. Now Gen Z is in the driver's seat and producing Little Demon, and we're all dumber for watching it. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. So if the future of film in the hands of Gen Z looks anything like Little Demon, or like The Rings of Power even, then I worry about what life looks like when we imitate such garbage if art really is the thing that we imitate rather than art imitating us. Now, perhaps there's some optimism, a silver lining at the end of the day, because there is a movie coming out by Christopher Nolan that I extremely look forward to, and I'm almost surprised to see it. And it's called Oppenheimer. And I'll show just a little bit of the trailer here. Now, for those of you who don't know, Oppenheimer is the man that's behind the Manhattan Project and the creation of the atomic bomb. So already you can tell a compelling story from history. Now, the compelling storyline probably looks like this. The atomic bomb, incredibly deadly and destructive, but also undeniably a deterrent of future wars. So how good and how bad is this thing really? And so that's the kind of conflict that drives a good story. And if that's what the future of storytelling in America looks like, great. But I somehow wonder if it doesn't look like the progressivism uh, that we see in shows like Rings of Power. But in the interest of keeping an open mind, um, let's just see what happens. Uh, you know, we're only two episodes in, and maybe we can have some conversation down below in the comments section. Did the series progress and get better as it went along? Did anything redeem the first two uh, horror show episodes of the series. Do you think it's going to get a second season? As expensive as this thing is, as much as the critics hate it, you can leave all of that down in the comment section below, like I said. But don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to go with God. Thanks for watching. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.